0: and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple pastor-scholars dig in to the Word of God together, taking our text from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, John Drury, and I teach uh, systematic Theology and Spiritual Formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And my guest today is Aaron Perry, my most regular guest. He helped me get this thing started, and I'm so appreciative to him for regularly being on every other week or so. Um, yeah, and this week our text is Luke chapter 12, verse 32 through 40, Luke chapter 12, verse 32 through 40, and that is for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost in year C, so for August um, 11th, 2019. So this is dropping a week uh, before that um, for episode 32. So we're so thankful uh, that you're listening in. Uh, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever uh, podcast app you use and get the word out on your social media things and such. Uh, we appreciate you listening and we hope that you'll uh, share uh, what you've been learning here with others. And we also hope that our text uh, study today will be uh, enjoyable and uh, edifying and equipping for you this very day. And with that said, enjoy the show. We're looking at Luke chapter 12. Verses 32 through 40. Luke 12, 32 through 40. You want me to read or you want to read? What's your feeling oh, today? I'll read.
1: Awesome. Go for it. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And there ends today's reading. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for this word from the Lord, our Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that as we hear this word, as we study it with our eyes, as we chew on it in our minds, and as we are moved by it in our hearts, May we be led in all these things by your Holy Spirit, that we would not be merely hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that we may be empowered to look intently into the word of God, to see what you wish us to see. And Lord God, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, both speaker and listener, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. All right. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then some instructions and a parable and all kinds of things. What's, uh, what jumps out at you here? What, uh, what captures your attention upon this fresh reading? Well, it was this
1: story that was in the back of my mind when we were reading Jesus' teaching on prayer. But the the yeah. friend who comes at an inopportune time. And here you have somebody coming at an inopportune time. Jesus saying he'll come when he's not expected. Uh, somebody might a master might come in the second or third watch of the night. So, telling them to be prepared. So that's to uh, Took my mind back to that previous passage from Luke eleven that we had discussed.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that was just about two weeks ago. Yeah, it's a similar kind of the metaphor mixing here is a little interesting, right? It kind of has the the master coming and being ready, right? But then also the reference to the the thief coming right? In verse 39. And we know that that shows up in a lot of places, right? That, that Christ will come like a thief, uh, unexpected. And the, the, the waiting for the waiting for their master come home for the marriage feast makes me think of that famous uh, story of the 10 virgins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these, I mean, they all fit this basic sort of readiness theme, but it's always kind of funny. Like sometimes Jesus parables are like, uh, these longer stories that kind of have one main point, you know, uh, and then you get these like uh, he, it's more of a it's more of a a teaching on a theme that has like a sort of you almost wouldn't even call it a parable. It's almost uh, you know, it's just parabolic language or they're just illustrations. Yes. You know, they're metaphors, which actually all language actually you know. Starts out as a metaphor and just becomes a dead metaphor. What's a, what, what's a clear concept without a metaphor? Oh, a former metaphor, (laughs) a dead metaphor that we no longer recognize as such, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's striking. What are you giggling about? Oh, just
1: what's a clear concept without (laughs) a metaphor, a former metaphor.
0: (laughs) I mean, how does anything start out, but concretely and metaphorically, but, um,
1: seeing some parallels between the act of the father or the master and those who are the servants so do not be afraid little flock the father has been pleased to give you the kingdom so they Hmm. should be ones who give Uh, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out or treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no no thief comes near or no moth uh to destroy and that's how they are to give to the poor right that's accomplished (laughs) by giving to the poor so the father gives to them they give to the poor and, and that in a sense creates this linkage between them and God. He has be dressed ready for service, and, uh, the master comes, he will dress himself to serve as well. So there's, there's some similarities between action and, and their, their posture, their clothing for action, um, that they're meant to reflect either the father or the master.
0: Oh man, that, that's that's capturing me in a way that I don't think I've seen before this, this, uh, so I I said earlier that it was like a mixing of metaphors, but then perhaps, perhaps it is, but also isn't because you have the, I don't know. I'm kind of getting stuck on this and maybe I'm just lost and I should drop this train of thought, but it's like you have this opening line, right? Of the father, the son who is speaking, the son of man who's to come, which is the last verse, and his flock, right? And then in these little metaphors here in 35 through 39, I'm just dying to know and maybe I'm overthinking it. Who's the – if the son of man is like the thief who comes, is his father, right, the householder, Or is it the other way around? I'm just getting a little lost in how the metaphor, and maybe it's because I'm trying to turn it into an allegory and I should slap my hand and give it up. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But uh, um, I'm getting a little stuck. And sometimes this is is the best place to go exegetically is sometimes when you get stuck, you know, when I'm studying text, when I'm getting stuck on something, I need to set it aside Mm -hmm. and go with the thing that's more drawing me in clearly. And then other times it's like, no, stay with the thing you're stuck with. So I'm making this meta comment to sort of salvage the last two minutes of this <laughs> tape, which was very like, where is he going? Because I don't know. So I don't know. What, what do you think? You, you want to help me sort that out, or should well, we just set that aside and move on to something else? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm I'm trying to
1: stretch the reading. So we jump into this reading, and I haven't been I haven't yeah, read it's before and very after out so, of context. So yeah. part of me is is just saying like, is there clues around this? He continues on with the with the language of servant and master. Um, later on in in verse
0: twelve, uh, the do not worry stuff comes before. You yeah, know, like don't worry. Yeah, the birds, the birds are are doing fine. You don't, yeah. you know, they don't work. <laughs> yeah,
1: and there's there's the language of ask and seek and knock. At least seek and knock is present in chapter twelve, as it was in chapter eleven, where he has "Ask will be given to you, seek you will find, knock the door will be open to you." And just above what we read in verse. In chapter twelve, um, he tells him to seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added um, and then uh, he's the one who is has come to knock on the door so there's there's this language back in there hasn't uh, presumably hasn't left isn't meant to leave the reader's mind or the hearer's mind mm-hmm. that those words are still are still fresh, although the the setting of the gospel has changed.
0: Yeah, I think expanding the, the context is, is gonna maybe be helpful because a dialogue emerges after and, and I, I just did a quick glance at the schedule. So next week's reading doesn't start till uh, verse 49. So we won't be double dipping too much if we move on because Peter asked this very interesting question. Lord, verse 40, 41, this, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Which is an interesting uh, question. <laughs> um, and the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will set over his households? It's the same kind of parable being extended, right? To give them, the, uh, to give them the por- their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant. Here's another blessing, just like before. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So you got all the, all the servants working. And the one who, but the master's gone, you know, when, when the boss is away, you kind of goof off a little, right? But when the master comes back, there's all the servants goofing off. And then the one who's still working, that's the one who gets set as the head, head servant. Cause there would always be a head servant, right? But if that servant says, oh, my master is delayed in coming, right. And then, right. Is beating the servants or eating and drinking, right. Blowing it off. The master will come on that day when he doesn't expect an hour. He does not know and will punish him and put him with the unfable. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not make ready or act according to his will shall receive a severe punishment. But he who did know and did what does and did what deserved a punishment shall. one who didn't know, right, if they didn't know what the master was doing, they won't get as severe a punishment. Right? Because to whom much is given, this does connect. Yeah. Last line, to whom much is given, much is required. And to whom... So that's, I mean, doubling back, it's kind of like, maybe this all comes back to sell your possessions and give alms, right? In a way, it's saying as well as fear not, little flock, right? To, To give you the kingdom, right? God wants to share his kingdom with them. He's inviting us to be generous as he is generous. But you know uh if he shows and not too far before is that story of the rich fool who's building up buildings right to right, store right, and right. dies that night right so there's this constant this constant reassurance but also invitation to be faithful now with what you have right give freely be be the generous kind of person that god is to you and he'll set you over all kinds of wonderful things right but if you're like ah eh, twiddling your thumbs you know he won't be around you know we'll be fine I don't know. I'm still trying to get my head inside of it, but I hope that's okay to just read that extra material. But it helps me kind of get a little bit broader of a picture uh, of the teaching that Jesus is putting forth here. What's on your mind? I see you flipping around. Finding uh, something?
1: Uh, um, well, I'm, I'm so the the movement of the of this text is on his way to Jerusalem, and so I'm trying to put myself right into the. Mm. Into the context of it, and part of it is maybe they they do have pressing concerns about where hmm. next provision is going to come from, and he's trying to reorient their their mindset. He's trying to reorient them to the to the scope of of events that they're that they are now part of. That that this is uh, him being him. Uh, this is the event of God's return. This is the event of God's visitation upon Jerusalem. And so he's (laughs) he's orienting them uh, to this. And I'm thinking about... You know, Peter's confusion, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And it's kind of like, well, it's a both, it's a both and he doesn't really answer. Oh, he's a classic Jesus, right? (laughs) Right. Well, he's telling it, he's telling it to them and he's telling it, and he's telling it to everyone so that those who are intent on being ready and those who are intent on being master servants can fall in line. And maybe those who are just along for the show or even sinister, you know, that have sinister motives about being with him are, are going to be confused and are going to be muddled in, in what, in what this, in what this meaning is. So, I mean, I think that's part of the nature of parables as well, is that there's a clarity and there's a ambiguity to them intentionally, intentionally. So
0: yeah, he even uses the parable to explain the parable in verse 47 and 48, uh, to answer Peter's question. Right. He's like, are you telling this for us or for everyone? Like, are we not going to expect it? Right. And he's kind of saying, well, there's going to be a punishment for disobeying the will of the master, but the punishment's worse if you know the will. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if that is a bit of the answer is, well, for you, Peter, <laughs> yeah. you know what to do. Yeah. You've heard me say, yeah. sell all that belongs to you and give alms, right? Um, don't worry about collecting up treasures here. Keep your eye where it needs to be. Not out of fear, but out of hope because the kingdom is coming. Yes. Does this apply to everyone? Sure, but the uh, the standard is higher for those who know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's still he leaves he leaves it ambiguous enough that the listener is invited to lean in and to trust and lean into faith and to open themselves to understanding. I got this kind of a weird passage. Luke I don't get tough, excited man. about this it's passage.
1: Funny, Luke, is, <laughs> the the Jesus of Luke is. Is harsh. Like, he's, yeah. he's just, he's, you know, there's a, there's a certain fascination that tests me that I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I would have stuck with this guy.
0: <laughs> I know. Like, he's like just,
1: you know, he kind of like, is confusing at times. And he even goes into some of this in the next, in the, as this comes. Like, I've not come to, I've come to bring fire on the earth. How I wish it was already here. Uh, we think about. Should be called down fire on these people. He's like, no, don't do. It. He's like, I've, but now he's like, well, I've come to do that, you know. And, yeah, I, he's
0: like, you don't do that. Like, I've I've come to do it. And So don't t- bring the fire down on it. I'm going to do that later.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I haven't come to bring peace. I've come to bring division, which is totally the opposite of what of what the angels said, you know. And so I'm thinking, wow. like, maybe there's this thing of like, he's he's rebranding himself consistently through this, through this <laughs> gospel. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not this, it's this, you know, it's not that, it's not that it's this, you know, there's this, there's this. Consistent- and then once you
0: get to the, this, he's like, well, oh, it's not this, it's that. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> really? it's, it's which is it tearing <laughs> down? And then
1: it's just building, building back up again, consistently around himself though. Right. It's, 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 he's consistently at the center. And I think that's no, no shortage of courage, right? No shortage of, Of determination, no shortage of calling, um, no shortage of a willingness to, to be, uh, have that, that face set like Flint, right. To have that, that stony face of Mm -hmm. that determination.
0: Yeah. Well that, I mean, that brings me back. You just, your mention of courage at the end there, fear not little flock, the opening line, uh, (laughs) for his father's good pleasure. So you know courage is the virtue that moderates fear right it's not the absence of fear but the moderation thereof right to have just a just the right amount of fear so that you can uh not be stupid yep. but also uh stand your ground when the fear comes and so you can hear all the fear not i've been playing with this because whenever i hear fear not since fear is an emotion i'm kind of like uh, how do you obey this again mm. <laughs> uh you know but i hear it as fear not is 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 a you can sort of restate as be courageous, right? Be courageous and have courage. And I can almost hear him saying, you know, right as he enters into the very things that generate fear in us as hearers, right? He could come anytime, maybe the third hour of the night, the third, you know, so be watchful, right? And the language of watchfulness, I know for me growing up hearing that language did not that generated fear in me hmm. you know so to hear him lead with do not be afraid right the father takes delight in giving you the kingdom right the the whole point is the the coming of the son of man is the gifting of the kingdom to you yep. right the point is is be ready for it be watching for it because it's what you desire because you know the father's will and so you're living into it um so that you're ready for it when when the world is transformed into a world that rewards rather than punishes uh, the the life of faithfulness and generosity. Um, having said all that, I kind of agree with you. I'm getting a very different picture of Luke this time around than the last time I've spent in these texts. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is because for the longest time, man, I I really experienced like Matthew as kind of the high expectation. Jesus, you know, because, especially because of the way he groups the teachings together, especially the Sermon on the Mount. You know, I mean, the Sermon on the Mount's, uh, is a toughie (laughs) to live by, you know? And I've tended because there's so many of these unique Luke stories, stories that are uniquely in Luke that accent repentance and accent the, the, the repentance of the outsider. And their inclusion that you know all the tax collector stories that are only in Luke all the sinners stories all the the prostitutes all the you know um, the prodigal son you know all these mm-hmm. these Lucan stories that really emphasize the um, the margin becoming the center the last becoming you know first and these kinds of patterns are so dominant in Luke that it's tended to have me think of him as kind of the the sweetie pie um, and then Lately, especially this year, reading Luke with you and and our guests on Fresh Tags, I I keep getting this like I'm seeing the harsh side and it's not the opposite. They're actually perfectly aligned because it's very clear that the standard of the harshness of Jesus and Luke is the very standard, is the very activity of generosity of of, uh, this kind of radical grace. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's precisely... Have you been ignoring, you know, the ignorable, (laughs) you know, have you been avoiding the untouchable? That's what makes you not ready. I mean, it's very explicit. You know what I mean? Like right out of the gate, right? Sell your possessions and give alms, right? It's not, the framework is not make sure you have fulfilled all the finer points of the law. Although everything about this vibe sounds exactly like the Pharisees, you know, the Messiah could show up at any time. When he shows up, we better not be caught touching lepers or whatever, you know, it's like, he agrees with the basic Pharisee framework that yeah, when the Messiah comes, he expects to see us ready. His his his, his disagreement is about uh, what is righteousness consistent. Um, it actually consists in caring for the poor rather than you know your own uh, your own kind of self righteous behavior yeah. or you know your your own clean conscience. Like yeah. I don't want you focusing on that. You know maybe I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know if that helps at all. But
1: well, it made me think of of maybe Luke's wider purpose. So you get a sense of the outsiders which I think fits with uh Luke likely being a gentile writing to a gentile audience. So in a way he's he's written this so that those who are on the outside have a have an attraction. But he's also writing this as uh an introduction to his book uh The Acts. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way that it can become Which uh, Acts, of course, starts out with "Why are you standing here?" You know the same Jesus who uh, you've seen going to heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go, and so there's a way that this is like, well, we know he told us this kind of thing once, you know. And I think, I think when Jesus is using these words the first time, it's it's a description of his own Mm -hmm. return. What's happening now? But it's it's I think maybe Luke is framing it in a way so that those who are who are going to who are part of the outcome of acts right the early mission of the church and we're mm-hmm. one into the inside are now have a sense of of like oh we've got to keep that outward focus right because he already did this this already came true for us he came at a time that we weren't ready let's keep on being ready we were the outsiders now we're the insiders so we, we know what it's like to be comforted but let's stay let's stay provoked let's stay outward let's yeah. stay guided outward and so i'm kind of reading this as as preparation for a missional text as well perhaps
0: Oh man, that's really good. Let's take a quick break and then I want to talk a little bit more about that. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. We're looking at Luke chapter uh, 12 verses 32 through 40, although we've been dipping a little before and after that. And I'm here with Aaron Perry. Yeah, boy, before the break you just made a really helpful framework of thinking about how Luke and Acts work together. And and what let me try to put in my own lingo, if it makes sense to you, like the implication of what you're saying is that the, Luke's basic sort of, that, that two-part structure of Luke and Acts kind of invites us to always read in a way that would be true of all the Gospels. But it, you, Luke has his own way of inviting us to read all of Jesus' teachings on like two levels to read them as appropriate to the time leading up to his his suffering and glory and exodus right and then also having this simultaneous meaning for us now between his first coming yep. and his second coming right yeah yep. my am i tracking yep. that that's what you're saying and again that's i think I think all the the gospels invite us to actually to read Jesus this way, but uh, um, Luke has his own particular way of doing that. And that maybe I'm also hearing you say that maybe that's especially true of chapters 10 through 19 when he's on this journey to Jerusalem, because that has a kind of betweenness vibe to it, right? This is the followers of Jesus, you know, heading towards a final showdown. And this final showdown takes place in his cross, but then there's also the final showdown of his final return. And so there's this double, kind of double layer meaning. Mm -hmm. And then we're being invited then to kind of enter into the experience of the apostles, but then also vice versa, let their experience enter into ours. Is that Again, I think I was just saying what you said in my own words, which is my way of complimenting things. (laughs) Compliment received. Um, (laughs) Accepted. Yeah, so I mean, with that in mind, um,
1: I finally found what I was looking
0: for. Yeah, you were. Yeah, oh, you've man. been doing a lot of ruffling. I've been ru- I, I like I've it. Been I like ruffling ruffles. all over the place. So
1: I finally found it, and uh, it's the the parable of the ten uh, minas. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Is that minas or minas or?
0: Oh, the talents. Yeah. it's last. Isn't that his finale parable? Yeah, it's right before or he comes to into last, Jerusalem. Maybe?
1: Uh, it's right before he, right before the triumphal entry in in Luke nineteen, and this same language of um, the accountability of the servant who knows what he's supposed to do and doesn't do it is greater than the accountability of the servant who doesn't know what he's supposed mm-hmm. to do and doesn't do it, and and here you have this. Uh, a similar sense of accountability of a master who leaves entrusts something to his servants, goes away, returns, and then there's an account to give whenever whenever he returns. And there's a there's a way that I was just kind of thinking about how that relates um, to the 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 master being away and, and being expected to come back, and you have servants who are busy with what they had been given, and you had servants who were who were not. And again, the, the master in Luke 19 is kind of strange. Like it's not a direct picture of God, of course, because, um, he's painted as a, it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't challenge the idea that he reaps where he hasn't planted. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but there's something that's, that's challenging about, about that and just made me think about the same story, or not same story, the same language of master and servants and accountability and expectations, um and and ultimately an an accounting happening at the end when the master returns.
0: Yeah, so the accountability theme really corresponds and and with that comes a and there it's it's pointing in different directions, but there's there is a common theme of not knowing what the father's up to there being some kind of waiting. So you got to be ready, right? Because you don't know when he's going to return, but there we're in some kind of marginal time, uh, some kind of uh, a, a space between times. Yeah. Right. And notice verse 11 of chapter 19, the one that the, 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 that's where that uh, parable is introduced. Uh, so chapter 19, verse 11 Now, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and they were supposing that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Now, how that helps me interpret this parable. I don't know. I'm going to have to think it through and I don't want to think about it too much because that's not our text for this week. Uh, But having said that, it's a it's a thing for us to play with. It's a good thing in the interpretation phase of our thing is you can even start to compare these two texts because they're really pointing in very different directions, right? If all you had was the passage we read today from chapter 12, right? You would think thief in the night, he could come the third or the fourth hour. Ergo, he could be coming any second now. So don't store up treasures on earth. In other words, blow all your money. You know, uh, uh, be irresponsible with you know, earthly things. You know, like we we've even had conversations about that where you were talking about uh the implicit theologies of congregations and how you might uh you know, a certain kind of eschatology might lead you to never like to build yeah. up as much debt. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: when Jesus returns, be owing as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like kinda like leverages leverage all the debt you
0: can for the sake of mission. And you know what? If you knew for sure Jesus was coming back in a couple of weeks, that's actually like a pretty good use of your <laughs> earthly mammon, right? <laughs> um The point is, is you don't know. So don't know cuts both ways. In our passage today, don't know points to it could happen mm-hmm. any moment. So always be watchful. Always be ready, right? And notice it's the servants, the girding of the loins, implying like that that's the way you dress for serving the meal. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying like, there's things you might not do till he comes, but you're ready to do them, right? You're ready to do them. Then you have the flip in chapter 19 making the same point, which is be ready because you don't know when he comes. And don't know when he comes could also mean it could be a long time. Mm-hmm. So, what are you doing with your earthly treasure? It's the same the same message. It's it's the giving of alms, it's the it's the building up of heavenly treasures it's the same basic sort of approach is to be ready. You know what the father's will is. Um, you know what the father's business is. Um, involve yourself in it. You will be held accountable. I like that language of accountability. I think that captures it because the accountability runs. I just love the idea of it running both ways. Like, yep. cause I know that some people, some of our listeners grew up maybe the way I did, where I heard a lot of, a lot of like uh, fear uh, generating narratives of Jesus uh, return, like on, you know, on the drive home tonight. Right. You know, <laughs> whereas in a way, like the parable from 19 is kind of speaking to that kind of thinking to say, don't, you know, it could, it might be a long time. Right. Um, Be faithful in the time between the times. But the flip side is we may have listeners who either grew up or even still now are kind of much more in a mode to kind of be like, oh, well, we've got, you know, we're, we're, we're building the kingdom now and we're doing all kinds of great stuff. And that's what really matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And need to be reminded. Yeah. But keep the main thing, the main thing, right. When mm-hmm. the son of man comes as a surprise, right. Um, and to be ready, how are you living now? Are you ready for him? Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun little play. I don't know yeah. if it, again, it's one of those things where sometimes I'll have an idea like this, where I'll start contrasting two texts. And that helps me clarify conceptually a little bit. When we get to our sermon writing at the end of this episode, we'll want to, consider how much you bring that into play in an actual sermon because that can create confusion sometimes if you're jumping around too much but uh um but for now it's helpful for me to kind of see that both of these elements are there um and the fact that it's specifically on the way to Jerusalem links yep. back to your proposal yeah you're saying yeah but what are you thinking there
1: oh just that it, this is this is all on the way to Jerusalem this is all where it's seemingly completely urgent right everything there's a whole lot that's got to get done in this short amount of time and yet it's a, it's going to completely change this the course of history as well and we don't know what jesus is thinking we don't want to psychologize what, what he's got in mind but maybe he's wrestling with the 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 urgency yeah urgency not urgency of, of the moment
0: and well of course we don't have to psych- psychologize uh Jesus' audience, because Luke did it for us in the narrative. Right? They were supposing that the kingdom yeah. was going to come immediately. I assume he means they were about to be oh, Jerusalem. 18, yeah. and there's a bunch of Galileans thinking,
1: "Yeah,
0: oh, it's going to happen. Yeah, and now
1: they're still, they're still asking that at the start the of the Acts. Right? Are you going to do it now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was I was looking at um, this this tension about um, a treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, which can be urgent and in the moment, like a, st- a thief usually doesn't th- steal little bits at a time. Usually like there's a raid and they're gone or the moth where the, the ah. moth destroys over time. Right. That, that, te- that you usually don't see that happening all at, all at once. It kind of is like something is stored, forgotten, re repossessed and it's, and it's Ooh. ruined over time. You know, So it's kind of built right into, right into the, the tension is built into that example.
0: Isn't it weird that you have thief there and then he has it again, but the thief, yeah. uh, then the thief shows up at 39. Yeah. Yeah, if you knew when the thief would come, right? I don't know. I just, I find that striking. Oh, that's fascinating. These two different ways. And that corresponds loosely with these two ways of waiting, right? There's this kind of like, um, so our treasures on earth, he's saying. If we build up treasures, um, actually, that's not his language. That's the Mathian language of the, the provide yourselves with purses that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So the notion of a of an earthly treasure, a treasure um, in a purse that does grow old, right, is uh, one where the thief might come real quick and snatch it, um, or the moth going kind of slowly. It's a it's a fun then to kind of reverse that and then think about his work, right, <laughs> as being both like a thief in the night that comes quickly but also like yeast in the dough that moves slowly transforming the world. You might've been going somewhere else with that, but that was what popped into my mind as you said that. Yeah.
1: And then, and then the promise that, that follows verse 34, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also this sending on ahead Hmm. of, of our own interests, um, directing our, directing our heart through, through our actions, directing the focal point of our attention through What we choose, where we choose to invest ourselves one way or another.
0: We haven't really discussed that. No, I know. We kind of jumped right into the eschatological stuff. Although maybe exploring the connection would be relevant, right? Because of course, when we talk heaven, it's easy for us to fall into kind of up-down thinking. Like earth is here and then heaven's the secret realm. Right. And that's fine. True, not false, but whereas the rest of the story makes us think treasures in heaven, it's more kind of now versus the future that could come at any time. Right. And if our treasures in heaven are, where is our heart? Are we, I mean, it's relevant to waiting, right? Be like those who are waiting for their master to come home. Right. Um, where your heart, where your heart is is surely linked to what you're waiting for, what you're anticipating. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I get a, you know, like when you get a, a text uh, out of the blue from someone, uh, like, I won't even use a text. This will be better. This will be a better contrast. Like when I get a, like an email, like an automatically generated email from the library reminding me to re- return a book. Right. That's not like something where my 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 that's not something I treasure. That's not super important to me. Do you know what I mean? So I, I notice it, but oh yeah, 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 okay. It was a reminder. And then there's when I've texted my wife an apology <laughs> as I did today, <laughs> for something yesterday. I'm waiting for her. I I want to check right now. It's been on my mind, you know, like does she? Has she forgiven me yet? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because again, that's where my treasure is, right? Uh, that's more important to me. It's something I value more. And so therefore it's directing my attention and therefore my waiting. I'm waiting for something. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know if that analogy makes any sense, but are you tracking what I'm saying? I'm trying to kind of connect to this kind of apocalyptic talk of the servant waiting. Uh with this language of, of where you're putting your treasure, you Mm -hmm. know, what, where is your attention being directed, Mm -hmm. you know, on what do you place your affections? Right. And I'm thinking God
1: has made clear that his attention is on us by the giving of his son. Mm -hmm. And lest we are to keep our attention on ourselves we must in turn and pass it on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in so doing, and maybe, you th- maybe we think back to, uh, even, even Luke's, Luke's sermon on the, on the plane, blessed are the poor. Uh-huh. Like, if you, if you want to see yourself as poor and that's where God's attention is, God's attention, God's attention is on you and you are poor. If you want to see yourself as the poor and therefore be blessed, sell and give to the poor because that's, that's where your attention will let go. You'll, you'll yeah. then direct your attention. Uh, to them, and that's good because that's where God's attention is, and that's who you are. Mm-hmm. But you're going to miss that if if you're not directing your attention there through your giving and generosity. Um.
0: Yeah, it's the three graces, right? That the ancient world would talk about, right? The giving of a patron to a client. the The client would then be grateful, right? Which is also translated grace, right? And then in the act of gratitude, then there is a giving back, right? This is the notion of a tithe, right? The giving back. Um, but, uh, um, a recompense, you know, giving back is the third grace, the gracious return of gift, right? Uh, this is the root of gratuity being the 10% that you give to the, to the, the server at. Oh, you know, when you're, who's waiting your table, right. Or 20% or what, you know what I mean? Why is it called gratuity? You know, uh, I always think it's funny when they print it out. 18% gratuity is already, you're already grateful. (laughs) Uh, Um, because again, in the ancient world, it was kind of, it was a rule, but it was, you know, it wasn't ever written. It was, it was assumed that you're going to give a little back, right. Um, like when you, when you have a birthday party for the kids and they bring presents and you're supposed to have a little, yeah. A little, the, loot, the loot bag. What's it? The, the loot bag. Yeah, the little loot the bag favor, for them, right? Yeah. Right, right. The party favor, right? Yeah. That's that's that notion, right? It's very ancient, very modern too. It's we still do it. We don't always realize it, but we still do it. Um and but what do you give to the one who has everything and who gives all? Right? Um who you know will just give it right back to you anyway. And so it's, it's, and he he makes it quite clear. Well, you go and give to the poor right? Don't the way that you give back to me is by giving to others. That's how you give back to me because I am the Lord of not me. I'm talking for God right now, (laughs) right? Because, because I am the Lord of the universe. All things are mine. There's nothing to give me. I own a thousand cattle, you know, a thousand cattle right on the Hills. Right. Um, you see this all over the old Testament, especially in the prophets, right? I I don't need your sacrifices. That's fine. But, but do justice and give, you know, and care for the poor. That's what lets me, the, 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 the widow and the orphan, that's what lets me know. That's how you know that I know that you're grateful for what I've done for you, yeah. is that you are generous to those who are in need, right? And it's precisely that that brings in this kind of, uh, this invitation to be ready. That's what it means to be ready, mm-hmm. is to live verses 31 through 34. That's very clear by Luke's choice to kind of put these stories together because they are not anywhere near each other in Matthew, (laughs) just to do a side note here, right? This is material that the treasure stuff where your heart is all that only in Matthew and Luke, this is what would be referred to as Q material, right? Stuff that's only in Matthew and Luke, but not in Mark, right? Only, but Matthew's got the first three verses here, the sell your possessions, where your heart is, moth, all that. That's in the, he puts that in the sermon on the Mount. Um, Luke does not, he's got it here on the way to Jerusalem. Um, but then all this, all the stuff about the, you know, the feast and the marriage and all that stuff, uh, and the thief coming, that's all in like 24, chapter 24 to parallel where it appears in Mark, the stuff about the end times. So I know that's kind of a side note on, that's a kind of exegetical side note, but I th- think it can be helpful for highlighting that you almost get a sense that maybe Luke wants to link these together to kind of say, do not fear coming back to verse 32, Mm. fear, not little flock, right? You know what it is, what you need to do. The stuff I'm going to tell you about what's the, 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 the accountability that I'm calling forth from you doesn't need to make you afraid. I'm inviting you to be courageous, be courageously generous, right? Ooh, I think I found my sermon title. (laughs) Courageous generosity. (laughs) Speaking of which, We're about running out of time. So let's take a quick break and come back and write a sermon. Sound good? Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm your host, John Drury, and I've got Aaron Perry here. And I just finished before the break a long uh, (laughs) lecture, apparently, on (laughs) Luke. But uh, so I... Give the floor to you, Aaron, uh, in our last segment here. Uh, where do you want to run with this? Wait, let's write a sermon. What, where would you go with this? Oh, you know, I think that where I might go with this
1: is, uh, connecting up the sense of being a little flock and living this way. I sometimes see around us that people think if we, if we just live missionally enough, then people are going to love the church Ah. and people are going to be part of us and want to join in. Mm. And I I don't think that's the case. I think that if we actually live missionally enough, then we we will have smaller flocks and little flocks. (laughs) And, and so I might, I might use this as a way to encourage and cheer on those who are doing just this for them to take their eyes off their, off themselves. Like, why isn't this being more effective? Why aren't Mm. we doing, why aren't we seeing more, you know, fruit and growth and, and, uh, and simply preach it as this is exactly what we should expect and we should keep on doing it. Fear not, you know, and maybe play with that, play with that as a, as a, a theme or as a mantra, a little bit, fear not little flock, you know, um, when, when we think we've given and we're worried and we're worried that others may take advantage of us. Fear not, little flock. Mm. You know, when when we're giving and we're wondering, is there? Have we given too much? Fear not, little flock. When we're giving and we're not seeing fruit that we thought we might see. Fear not, little flock. You know, and, and use that as a as a mantra and ground it then in and how Jesus says, "I've not I've uh, not come to bring peace, but a sword. I've not come to bring peace, but division." That that um, a f- sometimes a faithful life is attractive to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see and it's confusing and unattractive to those who don't want to live that way so I think that's what I that's where my mind is going right now
0: yeah it can't help but think of when Christ says to the disciples um, at his anointing in Bethany you know the poor will always be with you which of course he does not mean therefore who cares about the poor right (laughs) He's saying you will always have opportunity right, to um, care for the poor. Um, And he does sort of imply, though, you are doing this because it is the faithful thing to do. Eradicating poverty would be an amazing triumph. But I know that when I talk to Christians who are passionate about courageous generosity (laughs) – well, I'll just say generosity – and charity and justice they sometimes can get i say they because uh not to other them but to confess my own lack of compassion (laughs) i I wish i was i mean my wife has this you know this just deep desire that the world would be made just and i have a uh uh, you know uh, the gift of complacency. Uh no I'm just kidding. No, I don't I mean I get it in my head, but I don't let that, that feeling that some people have. Like they really want to make a difference and it's beautiful. And but then I've seen it again and again. This is probably why I recoil from it. Is I've seen it again and again of people getting caught up in certain kind of modern uh utilitarian logics where they say things like, We could eradicate poverty in this generation if we just did X, right? This kind of Almost this science of poverty, you know, and that actually disconnects us from the solidarity with the poor that Christ invites us into. So I'm not saying that there's not a lot of good done in the name of eradicating poverty, but it often is disconnected sometimes from the spirit and it actually of texts like these that say, Fear not, little flock. This is courageous generosity. Give of your own possessions, give it all away so that you will be ready for me as I return. It's really about genuinely living this generous life. He's not saying here, you know, once you have made the house ready, then I'll come back. Mm. He's saying, when I come back, will I find you faithful and ready? Not if it's ready, I'll come back. No, I'll come back. Will you be ready? Right? Um, again, I, in no way, I know I just kind of threw myself under the bus there by saying, (laughs) I don't care about the port. No, I'm just saying like, I 100% think that's where our mind needs to be, you know, and our actions need to be. But, um, what is the attitude with which we do it? Is it as an act of faithfulness or are we expecting it to make things better? Right. Um, because we may in fact fail, right. Um, we may in fact, uh, live radically generous lives and, um, statistically, poverty is not getting better, right? That could happen, right? And is that our only measure, right? Because, of course, I could actually, you know, uh, with a rather cold heart and my treasure in the wrong place, help to alleviate a little bit of poverty. And that would be good too, I guess, uh, on from a sort of earthly point of view. Good for yeah. the other
1: person. Yeah. No, that's so totally it's not wrong.
0: Yeah. It's not wrong. Um, but is it what a passage like this is inviting us into now again i i wouldn't put it any of those ways in the sermon so this was the wrong thing to bring up at the end of our text this is still background <laughs> thinking but it is about what about the focus of the sermon right because i would want to i would want to discourage anybody from um the care of the poor i would want to precisely identify the proper motivation that's sustainable fear not like so this, that was really the long way of saying i'd want to add one line to your One of the lines of your mantra would be something along these lines where it would be saying not another line that you'd add the mantra to like even when it seems ineffective, even when you've given, you know, you've given till it hurts and then gave some more and poverty seems to be getting worse and not better. Fear not, little flock. That's where I was going with all of that is to encourage because I see I've seen a lot of despair amongst the socially the the socially attuned Christians. Mm-hmm. They get jazzed, but then they adopt certain kind of progressivist logics that lead to despair because it doesn't happen fast enough. And I would want to be able to encourage to keep, mm-hmm. to keep on keeping on in this work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when it doesn't seem to be, you know, transforming the world, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my thought. Again, that's the same sermon. It's just some thoughts mm-hmm. behind a few more lines. Fear not, little flock. But you could read the whole passage with fear not, little flock. For it is God's pleasure to give you the kingdom. After every sentence, right? hmm Sell your possessions and give alms. Fear not, little flock. Right? Yep. <laughs> Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Fear not, little flock. Let your loins be girded and your lamps burning. Fear not, little flock. Right? None of this is about fear, right? Um. Anyway, I think it could end up being a really encouraging sermon, even though I was definitely not encouraged the first four, you know, at the beginning of this, this discussion. Te- I'm
1: like, oh, this text. <laughs> what a bummer. It was, t- it was challenging, man. It was yeah. challenging. How about you? It, what's the sermons doing in your mind?
0: Oh, just that one. I'm going to steal that one. Oh, all right. I'm going to do a separate sermon. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh. No, no, no. That's it. That's it. Fear not, little flock, man. It's the title. That's the mantra. Just hammering that home over and over and over again. So, yeah, that was just my thoughts on how I'd want to one of the intentions I would have would be the encouragement of those and giving some sense of perspective Mm. and encouragement to be faithful in, um, in the work. Um, even when it's hard. I don't know. That's all I got this week. Sounds good to me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Aaron, for the time you've taken. And I, uh, thanks to all our listeners for chiming in. We appreciate you a ton. Um, Be sure to get the word out through all the different ways, including uh, rating and reviewing us on uh, iTunes or uh, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to say thanks to Eric Fisher for all his great production work and to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And with all that said, I'll say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.